Welcome to Sexplicit, a podcast which offers free, quality and up-to-date sexuality education. In this podcast series, we will be talking about sex and sexuality explicitly. No topic is too taboo and no question is inappropriate. This is a safe and educational space to explore your deepest curiosities. My name is Anissa Varaste. I'm a clinical sexologist and this is Sexplicit. Welcome to another episode of Sexplicit. Today I'm going to answer a collection of questions about pornography. These are some questions listeners have asked as well as some most commonly asked questions by my clients. One of the most common questions I get from people is, is porn good or bad? Can it impact your mental health and sexual functioning or even your relationship? To begin with, let's have a look at the definition of pornography. Pornography is erotic representation. It could be visual, literature or audio. And its intended purpose is to entertain and to arouse. Of course, this is a very subjective experience. One person may watch a romantic movie and be aroused by it, and someone may watch a pornographic image and relate to it as a piece of art, not pornography. And someone else may see the same piece of art and be just repulsed by it. So it's important to understand that pornography is somewhat grey. It's not a very black and white concept. And it's also very contextual. Depending on where you are, the political context, the historical context, that piece that you're looking at could be seen as pornography or neutral or a piece of art. There are some things that are ambiguous about porn. And I think it's important that we identify them before we get to the question, is porn bad or good? Firstly, what I want to say is that when we talk about porn, when I talk about porn today, I'm mostly referring to visual pornography. So some of the things that are ambiguous when it comes to porn is that we don't know who the actors are in real life, most of the time. Most porn actors have a stage name, so we don't even know their real name. And the average viewer knows very little about the actors. Why is it important? When you think about Hollywood as an example, if you're watching a movie with, say, Tom Cruise in it, you most likely know that he's an actor and he has a different life outside of this film, that he's just acting. But when it comes to porn, most people don't think about the actors in this way. Another thing is that most viewers don't know about the off-camera relationships between the actors. And what I mean by that is that you often see on mainstream porn sites things like stepmother, uncle, and these relationships in almost all cases are fake and not true. And lastly, what is not clear to us and we don't know is the motive of the people who act in pornography. How did they get involved in this industry? Were they exploited? Is this human trafficking? Is this free agency? So meaning that they have entered the adult entertainment world out of their own free choosing. And some of these questions, when unknown, people fill in the blanks with their own answers. 
and some of those answers can make them feel very uncomfortable. But generally, based on what we see, we can't tell what the motives are. Again, going back to Hollywood, we have come to accept that a film is just a make-believe and is for the sake of entertainment, even if it's traumatic, even if it involves scenes of rape or violence, torture or humiliation. But when it comes to porn, consciously or subconsciously, when people watch porn, they think this is either real sex, close to real sex, or an attempt to portray real sex. And most of the time, this is not the case. There is a concept in film studies called suspension of disbelief. And what this means is that those all working together to produce a film work together to create what's called suspension of disbelief for the viewer. Meaning that the viewer suspends their belief, ignores the fact that certain things are not real, and goes with the storytelling. So joins in the story. For example, take something like Harry Potter, where there are dragons. We all know dragons are not real, but we go with the story. We agree to ignore the fact that there are no dragons, to join in with the storytelling in order to have a more enjoyable experience. And some people can suspend their disbelief with porn and say, I understand this is not real, this is just make-believe, and others don't or can't. And when you hear criticism like, the acting in porn is bad, what that statement is about is that they're wanting to suspend their disbelief, but something like the bad acting is pulling them out of that experience. The other thing that I briefly mentioned earlier and I want to expand on is that the intention of porn is not education. Porn is not sex ed. This is an example that I give to many of my clients when I want to talk about porn. Imagine that you want to learn about driving. You want to learn how to drive. You wouldn't watch Fast and Furious, right? Because it is not designed for teaching driving. Its intention is to create thrill and excitement. Similarly, porn is intended for sexual excitement and entertainment. Another question that I get asked very often is, how can we consume porn that is ethical? Meaning that the actors are treated well and they have been paid fair wages, that they have chosen to be in this industry and consent to the specific acts and plays and can choose to leave without significant consequences. The answer is we can't definitively know that. And that goes with any other industry. But what is called ethical porn is very likely to tick all of these boxes. Ethical porn sites are generally not free and you need to pay a fee or a subscription fee. And the intention is that the money that you're paying to view the porn is going towards those who produce it. So you're helping to pay the salaries and costs. Another thing that is a point of difference in ethical porn is the diversity it portrays. If you look at mainstream visual porn, it's mainly designed for generic, stereotypical, heterosexual men. The view and the angle of the camera, the actors, the plot, all are intended for a male gaze. But in ethical porn, they show a wide variety of body types, a wide variety of sexual orientations, 
an entirely different way of filming pornography. What I think is important and interesting to look at when we are discussing porn is the cultural and political context within which the material exists and the meaning that people make of watching porn. For example, porn use has been used by many women in the last decade or so to develop a sense of agency over their sexuality and to overcome some of the stereotypes such as women are passive or inherently have lower libido or enjoy softball or are interested only in romantic sexual interactions. So porn consumption and porn use has been used historically, for example in the 70s, as a political feminist act. But interestingly, there are many people who identify as feminists now who are against pornography because of the way women are portrayed and sexualized. So it's very interesting that watching porn or not watching porn can be used as a political or ideological act for women's emancipation by the same ideology. Okay, now to answer the question, is watching porn good or bad? This is a difficult question to answer. It's like asking, is watching TV shows good or bad? And the answer is, it depends. It depends on what you watch, how you watch it, how often you watch it, with whom you watch it, and so forth. There are aspects of porn that can be harmful. For example, if porn is used as the only source of education about sexuality, then it can be harmful. As I said earlier, mainstream pornography has a specific and narrow representation of human sexuality, which is not real. And if you watch this type of porn regularly, it's very likely that your ideas about gender roles, ideals of beauty and attraction are influenced by what you see and is portrayed as desirable and normal. I have many people coming to seek help because their genitals or sexual desire or behavior doesn't look like what they see in porn. And so they think that there must be something wrong with them, that they must have a problem. The most common ones are women who think they're anorgasmic, so they cannot orgasm, because they don't orgasm with intercourse only. And men who think that they have premature ejaculation problems because they ejaculate after 10 minutes of intercourse, for example. But what I want to highlight is that the risk that mainstream pornography poses on our ideas about beauty, gender roles, and sexuality is very similar to the risk other types of mainstream media pose, such as Hollywood. So my professional opinion is that we consciously and subconsciously are influenced by the media, be it sexual or not, and we need to consume them mindfully and intentionally. So I encourage you to critique any media you consume and think about the impact on your ideas and behaviors with the same lens that you would critique porn. Now, can porn be good or helpful? I think considering everything we discussed so far, plus using porn mindfully and intentionally, it can have some potential benefits. For example, one of the key aspects of healthy sexual development is pleasure. 
that sex can be pleasurable. So if you have grown up to believe that sex is wrong or dirty or shameful, that is not helpful in the way that you relate to your own sexuality and your partner's sexuality. In this way, porn does portray most of the time that sex is pleasurable. Again, depending on what type of porn you consume, because some material focus only on the pleasure of one person, usually the male partner in heterosexual sex. The other potential benefit of porn is that it normalizes sexual fantasies and desires. For many people, it's a relief to find out that their sexual desire or fantasy is not abnormal. That in fact, there are hundreds and thousands of people who enjoy the same thing. This leads to the next question, which is, is violent porn okay? Or does it lead to violent behavior? The answer to this question is complex. If you're interested in this topic, in the first episode of Sexplicit, I talk about kink and BDSM. We also have a free short course about kink and BDSM available to our community members. If you're interested, just send us a message on relatesexology.com and we will send you the link. The very short answer to this question is, As long as the sexual behavior or play is consensual and both parties are informed of the risks involved, it's not inherently negative. Again, there is a whole lot of safety planning and negotiation that happen and need to happen before the scene that most people are not aware of. Never engage in any kinky or non-kinky for that matter sexual behavior without understanding the process of negotiation, consent, and safety planning. The next question is, if I'm a non-violent person and enjoy watching BDSM porn, is there something wrong with me? Does it mean that I have underlying tendencies and desire to hurt other people? The short answer is no. You can 100% be turned on by a fantasy and not want it in real life. If you're interested in learning more about what our fantasies could be telling about us, I have a full episode dedicated to this topic. Check out episode number five. Another question that I get asked very often is, can you develop porn addiction by watching porn? The answer is that porn inherently is not addictive. But if it's consumed mindlessly, compulsively, And if there are other conditions present, such as boredom, underlying mental health challenges like depression, anxiety, or OCD, porn can be used as a coping mechanism. And then there is a possibility that the person consumes porn compulsively, without control. Also, there is an assumption about porn addiction that is, in my opinion, a traditional social construct. What I mean by that is that most of the time when people ask, can porn be addictive, what they have in mind is a man. It's very rare that people are worried about women or girls or other genders to become addicted to porn. In my opinion, this view comes from this place that male, especially heterosexual, cisgender male sexuality is a bad thing which needs to be controlled. It's a risk that's going to damage relationships and women. 
And this is a very traditional view that sees women as passive and needing protection and men as the source of sexual power who somehow need to be managed and strapped in. And in this view, other gender sexuality doesn't even exist. There is another element to porn addiction that is moral incongruence. The definition of moral incongruence is having a moral disapproval of something and yet doing it. So, a non-sexual example could be, I believe you should always tell the truth. And then not telling the truth all the time. And that can create a discrepancy between what our value is and our actual lived behavior. So, applying it to pornography, if you think viewing pornography is bad or sinful or immoral, and yet watch porn, this can be moral incongruence. And it's that internal conflict between who we think we want to be, who we think we should be, versus our behaviors in real life. And it's that conflict, that back and forth, that makes people believe that they have an addiction to porn. And I see this also with many people's relationship with self-pleasure and masturbation. The next question is, how much porn is too much? And how can I identify if I have become addicted to porn? There is no number of times to indicate that there is an addiction, and compulsive behaviors are often complex. But there are some things you can consider as a guide to seek help. First one is, do you feel this behavior, in this case watching porn, is a compulsive behavior, as if you don't have any control over it, as if you have to do it no matter what the cost? I have worked with people who felt they had to masturbate and watch porn even when they were out with friends, even at work. They would go to toilets and watch porn there. And they said that they felt as if they couldn't help themselves stop. The other indicator is, is this behavior having an impact on your everyday life? For example, do you spend hours and hours in front of the computer watching porn and not able to attend to your hygiene, to your house chores, or you neglect your partner or children? Do you spend much more money on porn websites than you intend to? Is there an impact on your employment? Because maybe you stay awake until 4am to watch porn and then go to work very tired. The other factor is how is your mental health? Are you experiencing depression or anxiety? Do you feel you're using porn to get away a little bit for a little while from things or feelings that are too painful, too difficult? If you answer yes to any of these questions, I encourage you to seek help from a qualified therapist. Other things that I explore with people when they come to see me for porn addiction is what is your relationship with porn? When do you turn to porn? What is happening for you before you watch porn? And we get curious about that because it's not about porn. It's about what is going on for the person and their relationship with porn. As you can see, the topic of pornography, like any other aspect of human sexuality, is complex and multifaceted, and in my opinion, fascinating.
I would love to hear your thoughts and questions about porn and I'm more than happy to answer them in future episodes. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and your curious questions. Do join me again for the next episode. Until then, it's goodbye for now.